Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, everybody, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, January 7th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, sponsored this program, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. All of you unions are incredible people. And, of course, today's program is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two. Let's go. It is Tuesday, January 7th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, she's the vice president of the Chicago Teachers Union, and damn it, she's our friend. It's SDG, Stacey Davis-Gates. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Benjarovsky. Yes, indeed. Stacey Davis-Gates, pride and joy of South Bend, Indiana, the pride and joy of the South Bend Wildcats. She was a point guard in the side. I just made uh, up that school. LaSalle Lions. <laughs> oh, I'm you sorry. get that right. LaSalle Lions. Mm-hmm. She was a point guard. She could dribble with either hand and pass behind her back. Uh, we're, we're not going to be talking basketball. We're talking about <laughs> politics. Uh, CPS and CTU is on the front page, my beloved bright one. But I'm going to hold off on that one because I really want to uh, follow up the conversation we're having with Maya, talk some national politics, international politics with Stacey Davis. Gates, uh, get our thoughts on what's going on with Donald Trump deciding to uh, execute uh, the second most powerful man in Iran while he is uh, been impeached. Uh, he's under charges of how of having abused his power. Isn't that interesting, D? Uh, so get Stacey Davis Gates' thought on all that and all the issues that they. Before we do that, you got an update for me? SDG, <laughs> SDG. <laughs> the listeners want it; they're getting it. Right. Stacey Davis Gates, moments away. But before we do that, we just want to remind everybody here. Uh, that there will be no live Ben Jarofsky show tomorrow slash Wednesday. Our colleagues at the Chicago Sun-Times need to use our humble little studio for something. I don't know. And Ben has a meeting with the yeah. Chicago Reader. Reader. So we got business to take care of. No live show tomorrow. Uh, but if uh, I'm going to be posting an interview from Ben Jarofsky show past on both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download podcasts. If you're listening to this on the live stream at the moment and you have a particular interview you'd like me to post, let me know. I may post it. But once again, no show tomorrow. Find us on social media, by the way, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on both Facebook and Twitter. The Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram. Ben handles that account. <laughs> How's that going, by the way? How's uh, our, are we are we famous? Kind of took a two-week hiatus. I can okay. get back at that. Maybe All take right. a picture of Stacey and throw it up there. All right, 2020 resolution, pal. Get back on the Instagram. But By the way, there will be a show Thursday, just people know that. Thursday and Friday, we'll be back to uh, business as yes, usual. Uh, uh, let's see, Thursday show, Miles Conflasson will be That's here. That's correct. Uh, Big Ed Maher will be here. That's correct. And uh, uh, Lisa Solomon, the reefer lady, will be oh, here. Oh, reefer lady! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, plenty of reefer talk. 
back. Maybe dispense some goodies. That was crazy. Last time she was here, she had like grinders and things that you use yeah. with like tincture. It's like she robbed my living room and yeah. came over. Yeah, it looked like Dennis's living room. Um, so, Stacy, I see you're taking great delight in the cup uh, that's in front of us. That cup was left a remnant when Carlos Ramirez Rosa was last on the show, uh, alderman of the, the 35th Ward. It, he showed up, I think it was the day the, council, the city council had sort of like its Christmas party of sorts, and uh, alderman Walter Burnett, uh, who may be your alderman. Mm-mm. No, we're with the Chicago Teachers Union's headquarters. It right? is. He's your uh office alderman yes. had passed out to every single uh, member of the city council a cup with his name on it and uh, Carlos brought it in and uh, gave it and his it. son's name who is the 10th district state rep but isn't that funny how that works hashtag Chicago <laughs> <laughs> hashtag nepotism lives uh, so uh, first of all happy new year you too happy new year yes uh, and it was a great the new year got off to a great start I pointed this out uh, everybody was so happy about the legalization of marijuana. Well, most people were happy about it. And then within uh, a day or two, reality hit, uh, set in. We're in a country led by Donald John Trump. He uh, summarily assassinated uh, the number two man in Iran. Uh, and now it just seems we're in the precipice of war and probably perhaps most advantageous to Donald John Trump. Nobody's talking about impeachment. So I think there's a connection on all that. What are your thoughts? Um I've always thought it was diabolical um, to use something like this to change the news cycle. Um, You know, we were met with the news, what was it, yesterday, that the first person, you know, the first casualty, one of the first casualties of this conflict, this recent conflict, um, was from the South Suburbs, Mm -hmm. a young black man. You know, that um, that in itself was absolutely um, sobering because these conflicts have real life consequences. And that young man is dead. Um, his family has lost a loved one. Our society has lost an individual who should be here contributing um, in a valuable way. And you have um, an unstable um, leader in the White House calling the shots. And um, I mean, he's impeached and he made a declaration of war. An impeached president made a declaration of war. We're in, we're in a precarious position as Americans. Um, and at the same time, we're in this election cycle, never ending election cycle, it feels like, um, with a list of candidates who kind of say the same thing with the exception of one about, you know, this declaration of war that the president, you know, put out there. And the question is, is which one of those candidates are going to captivate um, our electorate in a way that makes this easier going into the general election um, this fall, because the the point is to get rid of Donald Trump. Like, if anyone needed to understand why, if the children in the cages at the border didn't move you, if the serial mad tweeting didn't convince you, if um, the the, the impeachment didn't um, provide you with enough evidence that he is unfit for leadership, this should do it. 
Um, and I'm I'm praying that the Democrats, um, not just the voters, but that the apparatus who run, mm-hmm. you know, the the show, that they allow the voters to have their fair say, that they allow the debate to be as expansive and as clear as it needs to be for us to have um, the momentum to get this guy out mm-hmm. of the White House. Um, and it's going to take a while to clean up all of his messes, you know, that he's made. But um, look, we need a change. We do. We need a radical change, I might add, in order to, like, make up for, you know, the years of neglect. Look, spent a lot of town, time in South Bend um, these past couple of weeks with my family. And when I tell you white folks are doing bad in America— not just black folks on the south side or the west side of Chicago, right? Not just people of color in America or in urban centers. But when you see like white people at the gas stations um, with their hand out who are visibly abusing some sort of controlled substance, like white folks are doing bad. There are vacant lots where white people live too. Mm-hmm. Um, this country deserves some sort of radical solution to the radical poverty and disinvestment that has happened this generation, right? While we're spending like mountains and mountains of resources, um, both financial and human, um, fighting endless wars back at home. You know, you're dealing with um, an opioid epidemic. You're dealing with high unemployment. You're dealing with, you know, violence and just the lack of affordability in a lot of places. We're going to need something like the Green New Deal. We're going to need a massive investment of public resources into the core of America, both rural and urban. All right, now I just want to say uh, that the young man that uh, Stacy was alluding to, a Hazelcrest soldier among three Americans killed in Sunday attack on Kenya military base, his name is Henry Mayfield Jr. Uh, he's 23 or 24 years old. and um, A child. Yeah, he is a child. A child. Uh, all right, we'll get into the, uh, the the Democratic presidential race. I haven't talked to you about that in a while. But before we do that, let me just point out how difficult it will be for Democrats uh, to make the case. I agree with everything you said, that this country uh, is facing some compelling problems that need a, a new direction, uh, a new approach. Because clearly the same old, same old hasn't worked. We saw that with eight years of Obama and the Clintons uh, in the 90s. I, Clintons, I, I threw Hillary under the bus there. Bill Clinton. Um, and so a new approach, in my humble opinion, uh, needs to be adopted. But it's that much more difficult to get elected, Stacey, uh, with the quote-unquote distraction of war. And so how do you what what advice would you give to democrats what advice would you give to voters make it personal you know politics has to be personal um you know i am always amazed by the disconnection that candidates have to the lives of everyday people and yet they're asking everyday people to trust them with their um, anxieties with their children with their hopes their dreams their future but it has to be personal. Um, you know, I could say a lot of things about Pete Buttigieg, 
but the one thing <laughs> the I'll one, leave it to your brother well sure he's got that covered um but the one thing that i do say about him you haven't lived enough life you don't have enough personal responsibility to make me believe that you could understand what it feels like to have the anxieties of motherhood, to have the anxieties of, you know, life. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do think that there is something to, you know, living a, a life. Like I'm not an ageist when it comes to leadership. I actually think that wisdom matters in this. I actually think that having a multifaceted life experience and being able to articulate what that feels like, the impacts, those things are helpful for me to trust you with my life because that's basically we're handing them the keys to our future our children's future our grandchildren's future when we ask this president to become the leader of the quote free world right um and if we get donald trump for another th four years which let me be clear is a very very possible thing like that's possible this whole thing about it, this impeached creep not being able to run for re-election and win, this whole thing about the Ukraine, Russia, all of the mess that he has done already, like folks are still rocking with him. In fact, his base is even more um, ver clear about who he is as a leader, how they need for him to lead. Um, we need to be just as clear on the other side about getting folks out to vote. You're gonna have to make sure black people come out in Obama-like numbers. So you have to talk to black people, right? It cannot be race neutral. It cannot just be about class. It also has to be about the particularities of being black in America. You're gonna have to talk to Latinx populations in this space. We are going to have to have a leader from the Democratic side speak to the tent at the risk of other people feeling away about that leader speaking to the tent. But we're going to need that because America is gonna require someone who specializes and um, you need, so like, um, like if we're thinking about it in terms of a doctor, we need an internist, you know, a, a doctor who knows about the entire human body and can provide you with, um, the best type of care mm -hmm. because of their expertise. We're gonna need that type of leadership in the White House, um, but we're gonna first have to see it on the campaign trail. Like the timidity that candidates have because they don't wanna alienate, like that's time out. You have to speak specifically to policy, you have to speak specifically to the needs, the hopes and the fears of people in this campaign cycle, which is why, um, which is why I think Bernie is having an impact on the um, electorate. I do, because he he is he's really clear about what he's speaking about. Now, on the flip side, he's gonna have to get better at speaking to communities of color and, and specifics, right? Um, I think too, this is why Joe Biden is comfortable. Uncle Joe is comfortable <laughs> in this moment, yeah. right? Because people want a sure thing, but I don't think we're in a, the type of atmosphere where a sure thing is going to be enough to move the electorate to another president. All right, let me let me just interrupt you. Mm -hmm. uh, 
because I'm the old guy in the room. So I'm going to uh, fall back on my ageist uh, experience. I'm old enough to remember uh, Joe Biden, almost all of Joe Biden's political career. Followed him in the 80s, believe it or not. And Joe Biden was nowhere with black people in uh, when he ran in 2008. Uh, he is venerated uh, or supported, I should say, not venerated, by uh, black voters in polls, let's say, in South Carolina, almost exclusively because he was Barack Obama's wingman. That's it. And that's all he did. So it's not like he has a message, in my humble no. opinion, Stacey, that's res- I don't disagree yeah. with you. Oh, okay. Resonating with black Nah, voters. I'm not going to. I'm not. <laughs> he was a wingman. He's terrible. Okay. He's not just a. Re- no, he is. He's terrible. Like, you catch him on a bad day, he might say anything. You catch him on a good day, he yeah. might say anything. Um, no, his proximity to... Barack Obama is what solidifies that. His proximity to being a favorite of the mainstream media is that as well. Listen, the repetitions that Joe Biden gets on the news at 6 p.m. is helpful for um, the popular imagination with black voters. His ability to project the photographs with him next to Michelle or him next to um, President Obama, those things help him, period. Mm -hmm. Those things help him. Um, It's difficult campaigning. It is. It costs a lot, a lot of money. And it still isn't enough money. So his ability to be next to um, the last black, you know, leader is what is most helpful to him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, voting is not necessarily something um, you don't just have a lot of active participation from voters. You know, I was looking at a metric today. Um, you know, there was this, you know, Twitter thing going on where um they were talking about the the demographics and um, who black men vote for, who black women vote for. And by the way, black women hold America down. We do. Like we told y'all, Trump was crazy, <laughs> and we keep telling y'all Trump is crazy. Yeah. So you know, hashtag listen. Um, <laughs> hashtag listen. Hashtag listen. But what it also shows too is that um, white women, especially married white women, mm-hmm. are more inclined to um, work in tandem with their husbands when it comes to making their decision at the ballot box. And that's problematic if it's Trump. Mm -hmm. That's problematic. Even if, you know, Trump is, you know, going after reproductive rights. You know, even if Trump doesn't see our work as um, equal or the need for equity in the workplace for women. Um, We, white women still tend to vote in partnership with their husbands. Perhaps it's about their household um, and that they deprioritize their reproductive rights. It's not clear yet what that is, but we're going to have to figure out, you know, how to get women um, across the board to think through um, the intersections of life, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and that's most voters. But in particular, that's an area that I think is is most illuminating. All right. Let's pick that apart because you said some things there that I'd love to uh, take a deeper dive in. Uh, are you saying 
that the reason 52 to 54% of white women, and these are exit polls, so I'm just right. ba- basing on it. There's nothing rock solid about it. Uh, but based on exit polls, the 52 to 54% of white women voted for Donald John Trump in 2016 was because they were basically uh, following the lead of their husbands. Well, I, don't, I, I didn't say following the lead. I said working in tandem, in a partnership. I, it's not clear if they're following being told what to do is, I think, the what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Or if it's about they're voting for their household and deprioritizing their gender, um, their reproductive rights, their ability to, you know, have pay equity, et cetera. Um, because everyone has a sort of a top five, I think, that they go to the polls with, mm-hmm. you know, issues that are important to them. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps their household is most important and that the other issues that are more identifiable with being um, a woman are less important when they go to the polls. Um, I'm not clear that we've spent enough time evaluating that. I know we've spent enough time um, popularly just being pissed off about that Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, kind of diving into it and asking some real questions about the intersections of life and why um, the voters prioritize X and not Y. All right. uh, Let's break it down. Uh, Advice from uh, you would give to, well, let's start with Bernie. Mm -hmm. Uh, You made a point, which I've heard many times, and I think the polls uh, reflected it back in 2016. Uh, Black voters went with Hillary Clinton by and large that Bernie. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would argue the reason Hillary was the nominee was because of the black vote. Uh, You cannot win the Democratic nomination if you don't get the black vote. That's right. All right. Uh, And whenever I say this, my friends of the leftist persuasion immediately come back and say, well, Ben, what you don't understand, which is, by by the way, their favorite phrase, but Ben, what you don't understand uh, is that young black people voted for Bernie and it was the old black people that voted uh, for Hillary Clinton. I'm not quite sure I've seen any numbers that have substantiated that, but I'm a leading, uh, uh, I'm willing to concede that point just for the sake of the discussion. So, Stacey, in, what advice would you give Bernie Sanders to sort of change this trend and try to uh, b- b- make himself more acceptable to black voters across the board? You know what I find interesting is that these progressive ideas of um, Medicare for all, um, the progressive ideas of, you know, uh, access to uh, public education um, through college, you know, free, free college. All of those things are fundamentally issues that have been birthed through the black experience in America. Like, honestly, you know, you, you check post um, post-slavery in the South and, and the needs of the newly freed Africans um, in the South you know, it was health care. It, it, it was it was public education and our push for it for centuries. Right. These are fundamentally the pillars, the infrastructure of the progressive movement. And it's not identifiable by black people right now in the same way in which it was birthed in America. It's that is just so absolutely interesting to me. And the inability of the candidates to just say that out loud is problematic. I think you just say it. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the block is, not just for him, 
you know, but in, in, in general is that you just say it, it's a fact. It's the thing is a thing. You know, these are ideas that were birthed by the black experience in America and the necessity for health care, the necessity um, for the, the public education. And so he's doing better. I think in this cycle than he did in the last cycle, it's an obvious um, um, shift, right? You see um, more black surrogates out for him. Um, you see the discussion. I mean, he came to Chicago. He put, you know, he he said it out loud. Um, he was very specific in the fight that we had here in Chicago. I would just encourage that fight to be even more so specific, especially in places like Milwaukee, especially like in places like Detroit Metro, especially in places like the Philadelphia Metro area. You got to go to the places that didn't lay down in 16, but didn't come out in large number mm -hmm. in 2016 either. And you got to speak to not just the issues, but to the pain and the experience of the people who are who are impacted more deeply by these issues, right? Um, I think that's the that's the linchpin to this one right here. And you got to do the politic of it. Mm -hmm. um, you have to have the conversations. You got to go into the neighborhoods. You got to go into the spaces. If we all agree that the way to the Democratic nomination is through the black community, then do it, period, mm -hmm. right? And make that happen. Um, it's not enough just to be right. It is enough to be right with those who have been impacted the most by what was wrong. Yeah. Well, it, I, one thing I heard a lot in 2016, I have not heard it so much in this election, uh, from black voters is like the man's from Vermont. There are no black people in Vermont. And so, yeah, but there are no black people in a lot of places where other people are run like that issue. Sure. Got it. You've heard that. Yeah. No but that probably heard that in your own house at somebody or at some yeah, point or another. Well, duh. Um, <laughs> but that's not my issue. My yeah. issue is, I, I need to see it. Yeah. I need to hear it, and I need to see it and hear it from those who need it the most. All right. Now, uh, we've been promoting our our February show at the Hideout, where Carlos uh, Ramirez Rosa will be uh, uh, championing Bernie Sanders, and uh, your good friend and colleague Brandon Johnson will be championing uh, Elizabeth Warren. It'd be a great debate, and I'm look, really looking forward to it. Uh, I've gone on record. I have my top five. Okay. Uh, I've. I, uh, from the on the Democrats, obviously there's no one of the Republicans that interests me. Uh, do you have, you have five? Well, you gotta get five. I mean, there's a bunch of them running. Like, why five? <laughs> well, just because there was a movie, you know, the Chris Rock movie. So I just go with five. I mean, nah. you could go ten if you want. Tell them uh, what our. Tell them it's what our... only two worth paying attention to. Oh my God, you're so hard on the three that are up. Fill out my list. Yeah. Tell her the five. Our uh, previous guest, uh, Robin Peterson of the Democratic oh, Socialist America. Okay. Tell we, her her five. Yeah. Okay. So she I, has five. Yeah, she had five, and I'll name the, her five. You ready? Number one, Bernie Sanders. Number two, Bernie Sanders. Number three, Bernie Sanders. Number four, Bernie Sanders. Wait. That's what she did on the show. And number five, Bernie Sanders. Okay. Correct. That was dope. All right. Yeah. yeah uh, she thinks I like she's that. slick. Yeah. Uh, I like and that. Uh, so I then came back and I said, all right, I'll come up with five. All right. I came up with five. Go for it. <clears throat> See if I can remember them. Uh, smoked a lot of reefer back in the 70s. All right. Number one, Bernie Sanders. Number two, <laughs> come on. Elizabeth Warren. Uh, was number three. I get them reversed because of dyslexia. 
I think uh, Amy Klobuchar was three, or was somebody Boo. else? <laughs> <laughs> uh, can, wait, who was three? Oh no! Bank and uh, uh, Andrew Yang was three. Uh, Amy was four. You said Riff, Reefer and uh, Seven, right? <laughs> I work with them every day. <laughs> and uh, Lord, uh, uh, Joe Biden was fifth. That were my top five. Hey, I had to come up with five. All you right, didn't. So, okay. So who are your top five? I don't have. I only have two. I only have Bernie and Elizabeth, period. So you don't... I'm not even going through the motions of that. That is just two. And, you know, I am... You know, our our union is going through a process right now, and I am participating in our process. Look... So you're holding off until your union makes a decision. Yeah, I think that's important. Um, Like I said, I have my two, and it's Mm -hmm. only two. I I don't see anyone else. Um... Period. I just don't. Well, what about Dennis's favorite, Pete Buttigieg? Okay. That's not Dennis's favorite. <laughs> I like Dennis. Dennis is such a Bernie bro. That, that's, that's, He's that's, hardcore Bernie. And, and can I tell you one of the things yeah. that I think that Elizabeth yeah. Warren has done for this election cycle is center black women in, in ways that have been good, like just the entire experience of black mothers, you know, and, and labor and delivery. Just having that conversation makes sense, mm-hmm. especially as it connects to our ability to have um, health care, but not just health care, but how um, racism marginalizes our you know, experience um, in labor and delivery. Um, and Bernie has been true to it. You know, his entire life, his entire political life, he's been true to it. So you can't, you cannot dismiss the fact that this guy has been, everything he's saying today, he's been saying. Oh, you can pull it up on YouTube, you set know, his hair off, t- 10% same <laughs> right. stuff. So, like, if, if you're looking for someone who doesn't, you know, go back and forth, that's that's it and you do not that you 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 just don't find that in politics period and so i think i am pleased with the fact that we have two candidates that could represent our interests well Mm -hmm. we do um the hideout is going to be interesting because i don't know what they're debating about I don't know. They're cert- certainly talking a lot of trash. That's for yeah. sure. I, which will be entertaining. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure you'll stoke that well. <laughs> oh, Brandon, you should hear the things Carlos Brandon's been saying about you. Oh, see? Stoking. Uh, uh, Don and- King with it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to sell tickets, Stacey. Uh, Stacey Davis-Gates is my guest. Uh, we've been talking national politics. We're going to switch to local. After this break, Don King. (laughs) Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu masters. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. 
And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options.com. One more time. Chicago Land Cremation Options. Dot com. Ben, stop talking about legal reefer. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> Show, live from the Chicago Sun Times. Stacey Davis Gates is in the studio. We have uh, plenty of political discussion ahead. We're just warming up. You got an update for us, D? Uh, absolutely. Here we were just talking about it. The 2020 presidential race. Uh, let's see here. The following comes from. Uh, Ben's favorite, the Chicago Tribune. He gets it home delivered every day. <laughs> I do get it home delivered every day. Yes, they do. Supporting the, you, Tribune. The filing period for Illinois St. Patrick's Day presidential primary ended Friday. Several local names are running to be presidential oh, yeah. candidate mm. delegates. Yeah, I, we, we, we talked about yeah. this with Jacob, uh, the political know-it-alls on Friday. We'll all be taking right. a deep dive on this one. Well, we'll get you all coached up here before Friday's interview, listeners. Let's find out who wants to be delegates for our top three Democratic candidates. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and for some reason, Ben's favorite, Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden. Still not sure why. Grandpa Joe! <laughs> All four of our Biden <laughs> listeners are cheering right now. All right, so let's uh, find out the delegates for Bernie Sanders. Delegate uh, candidates. Oh, this will be fun. Go ahead. Yeah, All I, don't right. know, I don't know the answer to this one. All right, Sanders delegate candidates are Cook County Commissioner Alma Anaya, mm -hmm. State Senator Robert Peters, oh, friend Robert of the Ben Jarofsky oh, Show. Got to get him back. He's really cool. Mm -hmm. And State Rep. Carol Ammons. Oh, another Bama. friend of the Ben Jarofsky show. All right. How about Elizabeth Warren delegates? All right. Uh, Elizabeth Warren delegates include State Treasurer Michael Frerichs, State Senator Omar Aquino, and the tallest man in Springfield, Representative Will Gazzardi of Chicago. I think Frerichs is probably taller than Gazzardi. Uh, I don't know. Gazzardi's pretty tall. Uh, there's a lot of height on Frerichs that. is tall. Frerichs yeah, is taller? Yeah, Frerichs is taller. taller. Either way, get him on your basketball team, all right? Post him up. <laughs> Post him up. But Stacey Davis Gates will be the point guard. Okay. Because she can dribble with either hand and pass behind <laughs> her back. <laughs> Both hands. So we got the, uh, okay, so Gazzardi, uh, as well as uh, State Senator uh, Christina Castro, State Representative Anna Moeller, sorry if I mispronounced that, of Elgin, and Cook County Assessor Fritz Kagey of Oak Park. Wait, time out. Which, uh, they're That's with? Warren. Oh, Warren. Okay, Kagey's with All right, Warren. now, Ben, you want to take Now, interestingly enough, oh, yeah. Bernie has a more diverse slate. I'm not surprised there. Bernie, yeah, I, 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 uh, I always felt it was a bum rap that Bernie got in 2016 mm -hmm. uh, on the race issue. I'm putting it out More there. More diverse slate there. And I got to tell you, Stacey, I just have to tell you, most of the conversations I had with black supporters for Hillary Clinton went right to, he's from Vermont. I'm just saying. Mm. I'm throwing it up. Uh, well, just, they were Clinton supporters. For what it's yeah. worth, the Warren people are taller. <laughs> okay, back to that. Yeah, <laughs> they they, right. they grow him tall. And how tall is Brandon? Yeah, I don't. He's taller than Carlos. They, sure, this could be something there. Tune into that debate, guys, or tune in on Facebook Live. He's a or delegate 10. too. I didn't hear his name. They need to up that. Uh, yes, they do. They do. Those are the ones I had. Now, Ben, I need you to take notes here because we have been trying our damnedest to find Joe Biden people. So yeah, I've been having a hard time staying. Regulars. <laughs> Uh, I, a lot of them are hiding under the table. Nobody wants to say they're for Joe Biden. All right, so we got here. I'll, I'll save the best for last. I just here. got a text. 
um, from Brandon Johnson who says that the Elizabeth Warren slate is more diverse. So Uh-oh. I just got checked. Uh-oh. Well, we don't know. We just because Brandon says it doesn't mean it's absolutely true. Well, I, I don't know if it is, but I, I'm telling you. <laughs> as much as I love Brandon Johnson. Uh, right, but, ben, uh, take anyway. notes. These are uh, our Joe Biden people that we could possibly get on the show to uh, hype up Biden. Okay. Lord knows we're having a tough time trying to it's find hard, these people. Stacey. It's hard to find a Joe Biden. Here's one. He, he was on the show uh, when, you know, the old days. You know, when I. Uh, oh, before were, I got fired? Yeah, before you got fired. being too liberal? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before you were fired. Chicago Alderman Rod Sawyer. Really? Rod Sawyer mm-hmm. signed up with Joe Biden? Ben, of which ward? Come on, man. The sixth ward. Yeah, he heard it from his daddy, Eugene huh. Sawyer. Good God, he's a nerd. He knows that <laughs> right off the Hey, bat. how about Stacy rattling off the three state reps from the South Side? Unbelievable. Before we oh, went on the air, talk about nerdy. political nerds. Very nerdy. <laughs> Brendan Riley, the 42nd Ward Alderman. Uh, Pat Dowell, the, four, uh, the third, third Ward. And Emma Mitz of the 37th Didn't Ward. Didn't I say regular? <laughs> yes, she did. And Ben? Here's one uh, that's, uh, uh-uh. we left him last for a reason. Governor Pat Quinn. Pat Quinn is with Biden? Pat Quinn is right with Biden. <laughs> I'm a little surprised there. I thought he'd be more of a, in his now heart. Now who is Squeezy a... with? The pension python uh, member of Squeezy? Yeah, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, throwback. Yeah, that is a throwback. I have no idea. Uh, it was a Bruce Rounder thing, yeah. wasn't it? Yes. No. Oh. That was, uh, who came up that with Squeezie? That was Quinn. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's right. That was Quinn. Mm-hmm. She's a history teacher originally, by the way. Did you know that? <laughs> so Ben. Englewood High School. And a, and a pensioner. Yeah. Brendan Riley, yeah. Rod Sawyer, more Pat Quinn. Those are three people we right, get we'll to get talk Pat about Quinn. We'll get Pat Quinn in to talk, uh, defend uh, Joe Biden. We'll get someone in here to defend. <laughs> it's hard. Stacey Davis-Gates to find anybody to defend uh, Joe Biden. But um, any, and they don't have a, does Pete Buttigieg uh, have a slate? It doesn't say. I'm sure they're all uh, white. <laughs> I didn't look. I just right. found the top three. I got to say this. I made a reference to it. Uh, Henry Davis, do not say Gates. Uh, Henry Davis, <laughs> do not make that mistake. I made that mistake once before. Uh, Stacy's younger brother, correct, uh, is a uh, councilman in South Bend, Indiana, and a good friend of this show. He's been on three times, I want to say. Uh, and each time he rips Pete Buttigieg more. But I do believe... I, I say this in all sincerity. You should check out at least the first interview, uh, where Stacy kind of ushered her baby brother into the studio, Ooh. and uh, it's really compelling uh, viewpoint he has about Mayor Pete. And I'll just throw it out there and urge everybody to check it out, uh, Mayor Pete, uh, from the perspective of Henry Dave. A little different perspective than you'll get uh, from the mainstream media. Our listeners call him Mayo Pete. Yeah. Yes, they do. Samina Mustafa loves calling him Mayo Pete. All right. Uh, so enough on the updates. Uh, Bre- uh, uh, Brandon, I will assume that you got it right and that Elizabeth Warren has a more diverse slate um, than uh, Bernie Look, Sanders. Just Maybe keep it's hyping high. it up for the hideout. Yeah, I know. Sell those tickets. <laughs> got to sell those tickets. Yeah. Uh, Stacey Davis Gates will be the referee uh, at that hideout show. No, I'm just coming with popcorn. <laughs> okay, to watch. <laughs> uh, Brandon Johnson go out with Carl's Marshall. All right, uh, since I promise we'll talk uh, local politics, we have to get your thoughts on legalized uh, cannabis. Uh, That's the proper way of calling it legalized cannabis. Um, I always thought that people calling marijuana or reefer cannabis was like when black people call white people Caucasians. It's like the dressed up way of saying it. Uh, my Caucasian friends, I'm like Caucasian. Nobody calls them Caucasian. Anyway, um, so uh, you said something when we were at break that I just got to get you to amplify. 
uh, I said, we're going to talk local now. And you said, oh, too bad we can't talk about how uh, we have it's the democratic process. There's only white people running right now. Let's talk about that. I we had Kamala Harris uh, and uh, Cory Booker still in the race. I don't know if he'll make the debate the coming up debate upcoming uh, debate. Uh, why aren't black people supporting them? Well, I mean, I think the threshold to be on the stage is about money. Right. And uh, there's two. Th- I think Corey actually made the threshold with money. What was the, the other one? The other one is you have to have a certain threshold of support at a poll. So he didn't have enough support. Uh, in Well, a couple of things. One, I think the DNC needs to reevaluate how people get on the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that even Castro, for that matter, Castro's um, and he could be in the top three, actually, thinking about it. Um, He's not on the running anymore. Well, so go figure. So top two. Um, But at any rate, for the nominee to be so reliant on black support and not have a person on the stage that represents um, from a very authentic, original way the black experience in America, I think, is deeply problematic. If, in fact, the Democratic Party is the big tent that is supposed to encompass everyone, that stage doesn't look like everyone, right? So you have to have a formulation that respects the, the, the brand, if you will, of the Democratic Party, and that formula doesn't represent that. I think, too, this whole concept of being able to fundraise enough to get on the stage is also problematic for Democrats because it deprioritizes the grassroots movement Um, especially for those who um, take up issues that are not shared by Wall Street. Mm. You know, Um, you really have to think about what the rubric is and how you're making decisions in order to get the type of candidate or the the range of candidates on the stage that represents the the balance of that 10. I think that's very important. I also think that one of the lessons that we can take away from this election cycle um, as black elected officials is how do we represent the interests of our people? Um, do we intro, uh, do we do we support them? Do we give voice to them? Do we advocate um, for those issues from the lens of neoliberal white spaces? Mm-hmm. Right. So if Cory Booker and Joe Biden sound the same and Biden is already the perceived winner, what do you need Cory Booker for? Or can you get someone on stage that represents the the interest of Mm -hmm. the least of those in this country that doesn't sound like the neoliberal garbage that we've been hearing rewarmed, you know, for the last generation? So I think it it is also a wake up call to black elected leadership that it's okay to say black. It is okay to advocate black. It is okay to call out the policies of the past that have increased the prison industrial complex, right? It's okay to say that education reform was a very racist, sexist concept that has led to the decimation of black teachers across this country. You get to say those things out loud, not continue to cloak for privatization, not continue to say we need to put black parents in prison because of truancy or jail because of truancy. When do you know how hard it is to be a black parent? You know, if we connect the dots on 
minimum wage, which when it passed here in the city, when it passed in the state, like the face of minimum wage were black single mothers, right? That's who we saw when we talked about it. And the stories that were appropriated um, about multiple jobs, the fact that these women have children, um, the lack of affordability in the city for them, wouldn't all of those um, challenges also make it more challenging to be um, a parent who the school community sees all the time? I'm going to be honest, the school community don't see me all the time. It it just isn't possible. Mm. And it's three of them? It's, you know, in two different schools, it's a lot of pressure. So I do think that this election cycle should also serve as um, a reflection for the type of politics that black elected officials have been holding up over time. Like, you know, I voted for Barack. He was the first black president and he got a lot of stuff wrong. Wow. Now you're heading into Sergio Mims country. And we give a shout out to a frequent guest on the show, Sergio Mims, uh, who is a film critic. He runs the Black Harvest Film Festival. He also has a lot of political ideas. And Sergio, this is your idea. Uh, I know he's listening. And Sergio Mims, uh, his opines that the reason uh, black voters did not uh, th- uh, go for Cory Booker and Kamala Harris is because they'd already been down that road with Barack Obama. didn't work out. So now they're going to try white people. That is essentially, I mean, you boil all down. But that's the problem is because you do have black political thought. Think Brandon Johnson. Think Jeanette Taylor. That represents the voice, the experience, the impacts of bad policy and how they are coming to us. In on the left, progressive. Um, and so they need company, right? They need company. And I think that they're Robert Peters. I think there's room for folks, especially black elected officials, to grow and say Medicare for all, to say no to privatization, to say that we need to reinvest, like, and re not just reinvest, but redistribute wealth in this country. Like there's room to have that discussion and to enact those policies because the need is certainly there. Well, I'd like just to point out before we uh, head into local, Jesse Jackson, I say this every Dude, time in yes. 1988, it was Bernie's. He was Bernie before Bernie. That's right. And black people overwhelmingly mm-hmm. voted for Jesse Jackson. And then what happened when the Clinton years, the Clintons successfully moved the Democratic Party, black people to the Republican side, to the Republican side. And so now Bernie, in my opinion, because he played Bernie, a saxophone and wore sunglasses. And, and went he out ate so full, so food. But that's what I'm saying. Like, look, I like Bernie a whole lot. You were I was a, delegate, a Bernie yeah. delegate. Like, like, let's keep it 100. I was a Bernie delegate in 2016. Go eat the chicken and the greens with Al Sharpton. Like, honestly, it, it's not pandering. It's actually a part of that process. And it, it is okay if that is a part of that process. There are other things to do, too. That Yes, the policies are right. And go sit down in Sylvia's and have the policies discussion in Sylvia's with Al Sharpton. Yeah. I'm not saying that he didn't do it. I'm saying that that the political act of 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 courting the vote and and making yourself available to that process is just as important to some people as the actual policy points. Yeah. 
Uh, fair enough. But uh, all right, let's go uh, move to local. Uh, two issues. I have to talk about the front page headline in the Chicago Sun-Times before we get to that. Uh, the other front page headline in the Chicago Sun-Times, not enough pot shortage like <laughs> in the last month. It's enough said. pot. <laughs> Just ain't at the dispensary. <laughs> Uh, the views and opinions of Stacey Davis Gates are uh, not a uh, Chicago teachers union. Yes, yeah, definitely not a Chicago teachers union. That's correct. Uh, thank you, Robert Mueller. Uh, so I've been jubilant about the legalization of marijuana. Make no uh, bones about it. I think the war on drugs was a colossal failure, a waste of money. Uh, it, it, it destroyed communities and families uh, and uh, fed us mindless propaganda that we're still fighting through. Uh, and legalization of marijuana is a small step in the right direction. That's my worldview. Feel free to vigorously disagree with me. Tell me what your thoughts on the legalization are. I don't disagree with you. Um, I don't disagree at all. In fact, the most... So a couple of things. That photograph that they took inside of City Hall... Of all of the white guys? Oh, oh, oh yes, uh, that <laughs> photograph. Okay, yeah. Um, all the people who own the dispensaries, who yeah. Who are dispensary for... owners who mm-hmm. were bidding for recreational yeah. um, license. Mm-hmm. Um, woo! You know, it took my breath away. Um, because it's not supposed to look like that. Now, advocates from the state um, who worked very hard on social equity... They say, just give it a moment and we'll get it there. Um, I don't discount that. Um, And, whoo, that picture was something to see, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I will say this. It is very difficult to turn back the hands of time on any. You can't. It's not even difficult. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how quickly can you get to a space of equity um, how quickly can you get to a space of um, providing opportunity? And we'll see with Illinois and in Chicago how that happens or it doesn't happen, how folks are enlisted to support those efforts or be roadblocks to those efforts. Now, look, we still exist in capitalism here. You know, we're not talking about um, pure redistribution. We're talking about social equity. We're talking about an opportunity. So I'm not holding my breath because if capitalism continues to be what it is, it means that those white men are going to multiply from that room and that the social equity is going to be marginal at best because capitalism, not because people haven't done their damnedest to try and create policy that reflects the best type of justice that's needed in this moment. Right. But how do you how do you hold capitalism? How do you put it on pause Mm -hmm. to actually get redistribution? Because they don't want black people don't want social equity. I mean, it's dressed up in his night. No, we actually want redistribution. We want all of the brothers and all of the sisters who have been like sentenced to God awful um, terms and, and penitentiaries to be freed. We want them to have an opportunity to make the the money that they should have been able to make like the guys in the room, the white guys in the room. I don't want to see on the uh, cover of the Tribune or the Sun-Times um, soccer moms who are now weed um 
kingpin. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to see that. Yeah. You know, that is terribly. Un- well, the, you know, those were the stories from Colorado. Mm-hmm. So when they were exporting the experience from Colorado yeah. outside of Colorado to, you know, get other states to consider legalization, um, it was the story of the soccer mom. Yeah, no, I just, I just thought of that TV. There was a TV show. Weeds. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Right, weeds. <laughs> About a soccer mom who became a, right. a big-time drug dealer. Go ahead. So to we we got to figure that out. I, I will tell you that I was cheering the Black Caucus, the City Council Black Caucus. I was. I was honestly cheering with them. I was cheering with the Democratic Socialists um, who said that they were going to ride with the Black Caucus on that issue because it needed to be said. I also disagree that it was a slap in the face to the state legislators. I, I don't. I know that in government that the state legislature did as much as they could for social equity because they had to put a certain number of votes on it. And all those votes were not going to come from the Black Caucus or the Latinx Caucus, and it wasn't going to come from the Chicago delegation. They had to give votes from the balance of the state. So the legislation is going to look a certain way to get the number of votes. I know that. But then allow the city, where you had more concentrated Black votes, that were in the city of Chicago, more Latinx votes, more progressive votes that are concentrated in the city, let them get you a little um, further mm-hmm. and, and the equity game, the redistribution game. I really wish there could have been a synthesis before a showdown um, to actually bring about something that looks stronger. Because I, I, I think that everyone who worked on this in the state really had a lens for equity. I don't think that they are lying to us about that. What do you mean by synthesis before showdown? What does that mean? An ability to work in coalition so they can synthesize what the impacts need to be in Chicago for um, black folks, for marginalized communities, for Latinx folks, right? For those who have been targeted unjustly in the drug propaganda war, mm-hmm. right? Um, how do you do that together and not separate? I think they make a case for having more synthesis, um, consensus maybe, mm-hmm. um, before policies are passed, that there isn't just a game in Springfield, but the game extends itself into the city council mm-hmm. in Chicago. I also think it says a lot about the lack of um, coalition building that the fifth floor is doing too. I do. I think that what we see and how policies are being um, finished in Springfield and handed to Chicago without Chicago having a real voice on it says a lot about what the mayor's hand not being as strong in Springfield as Rahm or Daly's hand was before. Um, It could also say something about legislators in Springfield, also saying that the mayor of Chicago is on par with mayors across the state of Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's a good trend. All right, I'm going to defend Lori Lightfoot. Sure. Okay, here we go. Uh, when you talked about comparing her to Daly and Rahm uh, on this particular issue and the mm-hmm. influence they have in Springfield, uh, the issue that the, the, Chica, uh, the Black uh, Caucus in the Chicago City Council confronted was the disparity, the inequity, the unfairness, where we finally legalized reefer and uh, the dispensaries are white people. Mm -hmm. And black people have been arrested 
for smoking reefer all these years. White people get to smoke it all the time in their backyards. Just watch the Dave Chappelle bit about his friendship and how he deals with the cop if you want to know. Okay? Mm-hmm. We all know this is going on. We've looked the other way. We ignored it. Finally, we legalize it, and um, uh, it, <laughs> the people making the money are white. So the city council, I welcome any sign of dissent in the Chicago City Council at this sure. stage. They they rose up, uh, Jason Irvin, let's give him a little shout out, uh, organized a bit of a rebellion, and uh, Lori Lightfoot found herself having to deal with the issue of social inequity. I don't believe the fact that the, the state law allowed a situation to exist where uh, black people were frozen out is a sign of Lori Lightfoot's lack of power. I think standing up for poor black people or black people in general uh, in Chicago will always be a difficult sell for any mayor of the city of Chicago, be it Rahm Emanuel, being Richard M. Daley. So or we Lord. have two separate school codes in the state of Illinois. You got a school code for Chicago and you got a school code for the rest of Illinois. You have the majority of black students that are in Chicago, public schools, if you look at the percentages across the state. What I'm saying is this, Chicago has always, you got the Chicago Teachers Pension Fund, you got the Teachers Retirement System. I can keep going on the list of things that are different for Chicago than for the rest of the state. Why is cannabis different? Why can't you get a carve out for Chicago? You know the most black people are in Chicago. You know the most impacted population by the punitive measures of the drug war in Chicago. Like we like like let's keep it 100. We have more black people in Chicago who have been penalized by this racist war on drugs. That's fact, right? So what are we doing to get the carve out that they've gotten carve outs for everything before? Like you you get carve outs in Chicago. Name one. Name a million. Uh, And how come you can't get this carve out with the emphasis on equity? You can even sunset it. You can even you 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 can even make it start later. You knew the money was going to come out of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Like by and large, it's a tourist attraction. One of the like the hottest tourist attractions in the world right now. Like we could talk about carve out like, look, flex a little bit. Don't just flex on poor black kids, flex on rich white men. Fair enough. And I will point out, uh, I have to point this out, that, follow me on this, uh, Stacy. when the city of Chicago, uh, when the mayor of Chicago came to the conclusion that the law uh, overseeing the implementation of a casino in Chicago mm-hmm. was not uh, beneficial to and what the she operator. What she <laughs> they, they said, hold, stop, okay. brakes on wheel. Okay. We're going to have to hold off on the casino for a while till we fix this so the person who owns the casino makes huh? more money. So fair enough. I'm just proving your point. Yeah. Um, I told you it's a million and two examples to prove and i'm just saying that uh it's really hard to get people in anywhere to stand up for black people i'm just throwing (laughs) well i just throw that out that's our job 
Yeah, but that's I'm what just she saying, told us she was gonna do. Okay, but Rom didn't do a better job at it, and uh, no, he, Richard he Michael harmed Daly. us. Yes, <laughs> that was his that that was his thing. He closed fifty schools on us. He he covered up Laquan McDonald's murder on us. I keep going. Yeah, I know. But but that was his thing. Yeah. This man said, "I'm going to protect, support, enrich, figure out equity." And so this was an opportunity to do it. Like, look, I ain't like. I'm not trying to be disparaging. I am just pointing out something that I think is very obvious mm-hmm. to me is that there are always separate rules for Chicago, especially to, especially as it relates to penalty for black people. So this was a perfect opportunity to have a separate rule for Chicago that was about equity and redistribution. I cannot argue with that point. Uh, all right, but uh, how are you getting along with Lori Lightfoot these days? Uh, coming out of the teacher strike, I can't remember if you've been on the show since then. Uh, it was, at a certain point, it was sort of turning into the Stacy versus uh, Lori Ooh. fight. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Don King uh, Enterprises, uh, so, have you had any like sit downs with Lori Lightfoot? You got, get going out for lunch. Lori, call me. Let's have coffee. Nah, we haven't. And and no, look, no, we haven't. But I ain't beefing with Lori. This it, it was never about Lori Lightfoot. It's always been about the agenda that we've had um, since Karen Lewis, twenty ten. Like it hasn't changed. the The agenda is literally the same agenda for the last decade. We're not going to fold this agenda up and put it in a pocket or in the top drawer, or the bottom drawer somewhere, until we realize um, the needs of our school communities in our city. And so that doesn't have Rom's name on it. Um, he was just a perfect foil because he did everything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't have his name on it no more than it has Lori Lightfoot's name on it. We're looking for school communities to work well. We're looking for rich people to pay a little more for um, the, the the operation of the city that we believe is the greatest on earth, mm-hmm. right? We're looking for leadership that's going to say that equity is just not something you say on a campaign trail, but that you pass into law. Look, she still has opportunity. You know, the best thing about what's happening is that she messed it up, you know, very early. And so you have the opportunity to get better with it. And to be perfectly honest with you, we need her to get better with it. Like we have a monumental contract that has to be implemented. And when I tell you it's going to be difficult to implement, that's an understatement because you have reluctant actors who are either incompetent or unwilling or who are petty. Mm-hmm. Um, and to implement a contract that we fought for and paid for with six days of our time, by the way, um, is going to take a lot of cooperation. It's going to take a lot of trust. And we're going to have to build those things up both in our school communities with the principal um, and with central office and our union mm-hmm. and with the fifth floor of Chicago. So, no, I welcome collaboration. Our school district needs it. Our students um, 
their their future depend on it. All right. To that point, uh, the headlines in my uh, beloved bright one today, Home Delivered, is always CPS, big math problem, new fight over $25 million in veteran teacher pay could hold up entire contract that ended historic CTU strike. Let's give uh, Nader Isser credit for this. Nader is on fire. Yeah. Uh, and uh, broke this big story. I didn't see it in the Tribune, so... Um, all right, Dennis. You said the Tribune, right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> uh, Chicago Tribune home delivered it as well as the Sun-Times. And they're still probably pissed off about weed being legal. <laughs> I will now refrain from going back to that conversation. I just wrote a column on that very topic. I can't believe you. you like, read my mind. just literally wrote a column about the Tribune headline last week, which is like, I, I know I should move on to Stacey Davis Gates, but sometimes it's hard for me to move on, okay? Uh, there's goddamn dirty dope around here. Yeah, that's, <laughs> right. That's basically, what do you tell your children about? I mean, I'm like reading this for real. What are you going to tell your children? If you have, what do you need? legal weed to talk to your children about drugs and vices and alcohol. Yeah, talk and to them gambling. about the prescriptions they're getting from the doctor. And That's what you want to talk a, to them yeah, about. I mean, what are we going to tell the children? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Anyway, CPS big math problem. De- uh, Dennis, I forgot, man. I so, so long since I've been in school. They were called story problems. This is like a story problem. It's, so, old- it's such inside baseball. It, so let me let me just go. like boil this down because I don't want you to go to sleep. Um Well, let's see if that works. There was agreement. Like, so one of the big issues at the table that precipitated like 11 days was our um, our demand that veteran experienced teachers be compensated for their experience. Mm -hmm. Um, It's important. Cops get it. Firefighters get it. It is a thing with public employees that the more experience, the more education that they have, that their salary reflects that. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen in Chicago public schools. It's never happened in the Chicago public schools. So one of the demands in this contract was that we put more money in steps, which steps translate to years for veteran teachers to appreciate the expertise and the stability that they bring to school communities. Mm -hmm. Because when I tell you, you don't know what you're doing within the first five years, you don't know what you're doing within Mm -hmm. the first five years. You're gonna need someone to tell you to blow it out. This is how you do it and keep practicing, Mm -hmm. right? And mentoring you, that's one thing. Second thing is, is that we're also recognizing the fact that CPS also has an issue with um, recruiting and maintaining, um, supporting black teachers. And many of our black teachers who are in the system currently are veteran experienced teachers. So how do we also value their expertise and contributions to our school communities, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was a big demand of ours. CPS doesn't want to do it because they see that um, as a growing liability. Like the more money you put into a step in this contract, it increases in the, you know, next contracts and so they don't want to say yes but the the problem with this is they did say yes they said yes on the fifth floor the time i got to go they (laughs) they did say yes and so now they're saying well we said yes but we said a bonus and it's like for real like we ain't never said bonus Mm -hmm. like in the history of our compensation package we don't say bonus Mm -hmm. we just don't and so um we don't dispute the fact that the $25 million is there over the next five years to compensate veteran experienced teachers. What we're fighting about 
big surprise, is about how that compensation will be distributed to our educators. And we wanted in steps, which is what we agreed to, mm -hmm. they want to put it in one step. See, this is where- Yeah, it's a bonus. That means it's just this year and no, no. No, no, they, they want to do a bonus and a step. So see, there's capitulation to like what we've agreed to. Like we've already agreed to steps. They said, well, we, we could do a step, but then let's also do the rest in a bonus, but we could give you one step. And we're like, no, that's not what we agreed to. So we're basically still fighting again, big surprise about this. Um, now, will this be fought in, in court? Is this gonna be a lawsuit? Potentially, look, you know, at some point, this relationship has got to get better. And this is coming from, you know, one of the leaders in this that doesn't mind throwing a punch. <laughs> right. I don't that that doesn't like that. that I, I don't shy away from that. And I also know that that's not the only um, that's not the only like motion <laughs> that we 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 need in this relationship yeah sure you can get punched around sometimes but what we actually need more of is sitting at a table and coming to consensus sitting at a table and making agreements sitting at a table and figuring out compromise like we have to get there like if we don't get there we're going to continue to fight we've already won mm -hmm. right 11 days social worker, nurse, smaller class size, veteran teacher pay, like we've won. Stop fronting about the win, go ahead and capitulate and let's move this forward. But that is my biggest anxiety in this moment, to be perfectly honest with you, is that the relationship remains so um, ridiculously acrimonious until we can implement all of the great things that we've won in this contract. And we gotta get past acrimony, we gotta get past petty, and we gotta get to implementation. All right, uh, that's Stacey Davis-Gates. My suggestion to the Don King and me, uh, I always talk about Stacey Davis Gates being an outstanding point guard for the Sal Lions. There you go. Uh, Lori Lightfoot was a point guard back in the day. One on one. There we go. One on one. Two point guards going at it. Uh, Stacey Davis Gates versus Lori Lightfoot. I'd pay to watch that. Uh, all right, uh, Stacey. We're at only. The <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the only one. Only you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe your brother would watch it with Jerry me. Geriatric ball. <laughs> Talk about the smell of being gay, the excessive use of knee pads. It's just terrible. Yeah, maybe it would have been a great showdown in uh, the 90s. How about? That, yeah, uh, for sure. The, the glory days of Stacey Davis Gates. All right, Stacey, it's a blast talking to you. As always, uh, we will book you uh, for the next appearance before you get out this bill. You got an update or something? I just want to play something for Stacey. Uh, during the uh, the strike, we were oh, every oh. day we were back and forth, back and forth, you know, with uh, with the updates. And man, it was one of our favorite things here. Uh, your uh, Jesse Sharkey. He oh, was have out. We played this for him already? Dude? Have we played this no, for him? No, you I haven't, haven't heard this. I've never been oh, here. Oh, you haven't heard this? Oh, okay, man. all right. Let's we go. got a kick out of this. So Jesse Sharkey was out, you know, uh, outside the schools, you know, doing his thing. And TV would come and talk to him all the time. And, man, we would play this clip a lot. And I thought you'd get a kick out of it. Jesse Sharkey talking to the people. But, boy, the, the people of Chicago just are in support of the teachers. They can't help but show their love. Social workers, psychologists, counselors. Um, these horns. We think that adequate <laughs> services for special education. 
That's dope. She's staying on message. There's more. I um. Right now, um. That's it. Jesse, go with the flow, man. Talk about the honking horns. I'm staying on point. That's right. Uh, I'm disciplined. All right, Stacey Davis. He's a teacher. He's a teacher. He's a nerd teacher, too. For 10 trivia points, what high school did Jesse Sharkey teach at before he went uh, to the union? Go. He taught at CVS, and then it's in high school. Very good. I did not know about the CBS. I knew about the I know you didn't. I had to flex on you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, he was a chess coach out there. Ask uh, Marcus Evans, a representative, Southsider. Um, he talks about Jesse um, being a chess coach. Wow. Yeah. You know what? Never ask a question. Don't know the answer, D. Of course, I do that all the time. You wait. Before we go, one trivia question. Here we go. Oh, boy. Here we go. All We're right. going to go to uh, from Pete Buttigieg's. This, we've been having a lot of fun with this. These are the rally playlists that these candidates have, all right? And uh, so let's see. Uh, you're see if you can guess the artist of the song that he's going to sing. Yeah, so let's see. I'm just going to randomly go to Pete Buttigieg. You're both from South Bend. Uh, and so you would probably. But I'm West Side. Okay. <laughs> Where's Pete Buttigieg from in it South ain't Bend? the West Side. <laughs> okay. Go Hoosiers. My guess is the West Side of South Bend has got some Colors. similarities to the West Side of Chicago. Lots. All right, here we go. Um, the Distance. Who sings The Distance? Someone white. <laughs> <laughs> that's. I think that's the name of the... That is actually the group. They're called Cake, but I think that would work. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. White. Wait, just in defense of Mayor Pete, uh-huh. he does have a black artist on this list. And I happen to know... Hootie. Uh, <laughs> the whitest black artist on the planet. That's so unfair. Uh, first of all... Uh, I'm looking to see if we... Which is it's terrible, because I did grow up in South Man. Like, this is all a front. <laughs> oh, by the way, any... Uh, no, that's not... Hootie is not on this list. But uh, the great Curtis Mayfield uh, from Chicago, Illinois, I believe he went... Pusher Man. ...to Wells High... No, he doesn't have a Pusher Man. Give well, you credit for knowing that song. That's way before your time. Dude, it's Curtis Mayfield. He is the godfather of hip-hops. West Coast hip-hop at that. You were not even George born. Clinton and Curtis Mayfield. Uh, if, you look, if you listen to all the samples from, like... <clears throat> 90s hip hop from the West Coast is either George Clinton or Curtis Mayfield. Well, right? I got to give you credit for that. Uh, I'm not a, a big fan of hip hop, know almost nothing about it, but I do know Curtis Mayfield, Move On Up is the name of the song. I like that one. It's a great song. So yeah. give Mayor Pete a little love. For that. <laughs> Sorry, Mayor. Oh, man, he's got a Hall and Oates song on there, but I've never heard of it. I like Hall and Oates. Which one is on there? I've never, You Make My Dreams. You make my dreams. Oh, that's the song. Come on, let's just sing uh, Sarah Smile. All right. That's too black. <laughs> oh, that's too black for Mayor Pete. <laughs> I like the White Hall and Oates song. Yeah, you 93. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, I don't know any of the other. Oh, no, wait. I st- As we head out the door, Brandon Johnson would want me to make a correction. Because okay. he always is telling me. There, Darius Ruckers is on this list. Told and, you. And he's the lead singer for Hootie, yeah. right? Yes, yeah. Darius Ruckers with an S at the so end. So I was right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you were right. Yeah. She was right. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, let's get, do you get anything <laughs> for being right on this show? Here you go. You I'm going to take this nice Burnett Williams. <laughs> no, I'm going to give you my, my, my Bernie 
stoner pan anyway Stacey Davis Gates thank you so much uh, Mike Dukmasova was in the show earlier and of course the man the myth the legend and Stacey as you know back home in Alton they call him White Lightning give yourself oh, still a still doing that in the new year huh? <laughs> take it out of petty cash <laughs> see you on Thursday everybody <laughs> And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, we live stream this program. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Join us, won't you? Join the live stream chat. Make fun of Ben. Everybody does. It's a great time. And we'll probably read your comments on the air. We'll see you tomorrow. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine.